0: Do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to harm, let the one who is vile continue to be vile, let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously, let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and to eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I'm both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. At the turn of the fifth century, a book was published that is still read to this day. It was written by none other than St. Augustine. And the book in question is Confessions. And in this book... He shares with his listeners the struggles that he faces and has faced, and we find him sharing in this book his angst, his stress over the turmoil in his own heart. The turmoil is, is really what we all face, that angst is what we all face. It's that fight between what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And uh, so he shares the ironic prayer that he prayed in that book, and his prayer goes like this Oh, Master, make me pure and celibate, but not yet. But not yet. Never has a prayer been uttered that so beautifully illustrates the struggle that we all face and the mindset that so many of us have. The fact of the matter is, is we love this world. We love it a lot. We love what this world has to offer. Even though Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross and follow me. Even though Jesus says... That friendship with the world is enmity with God. What I'm sharing with you today is perhaps one of the most radical teachings of Christianity. And it's clearly the teaching that defines what it means to be on that narrow road that leads to eternal life. One of the things I've been saying to you since uh, the beginning of September is that my job as your pastor is to get you safely home. Is to show you how to make it because I want everybody here today to spend eternity with me. I want to spend eternity with you. Now, the question is this. How do we get rid of self-destructive habits? How do we get rid of these bad habits that plague us, these things that we do that we clearly know we're not supposed to do, these things that make us feel guilty and feel shame, the thing that gives us the guilty conscience? What do we do? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's pretty fruitless for me to tell you, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Because here's what I know after serving God for uh, over 40 years and for being in the ministry for 30 years, and that's this, is that simply telling people not to do things is not going to make them stop doing things. What I need to do is I need to show you or teach you what you need to do in replace of those things. And I'm going to tell you this, these habits that we've been uh, introducing to you over the past few weeks are habits that are meant to replace the old you. Remember, when you became a Christian, the Bible says that you became a brand new creation. You're a brand new creature, which means that you live differently. You're not the same as you were before. In other words, you don't practice those old habits. Rather, you practice new habits. And I know that some of this stuff for some of you is is sort of, like I've heard this before, Pastor. Do we have to hear it again? It's a little redundant. But I want to tell you, I, I need to... I need to tell you this truth in a format, in a systematic format, in a way that you will always remember it and that it will guide you from day to day. Because I know that everybody here today, if I asked you, do you you think you need to live a holy life? Everybody would say, yes, of course. But the sad secret is, is that privately, many of us are not. Now remember, I'm not here condemning anybody here. I'm not here judging anybody. That's not my job. My job is to lead you into truth. To help you be on that narrow road that will lead you to eternal life. Because my job is to get you safely home. Now the very first three habits and the third habit we'll be sharing today. These habits, these first three habits are absolutely critical if you're gonna, if you're, if you're gonna even hope to be a Christian, if you're gonna even hope to follow Christ. Now we said it already, to be a Christian means that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. The evidence that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, is that you daily walk with God, that you go to church weekly, not once in a while, folks, weekly. I know some people might have pushed back a bit about that last week when I was declaring that you need to go to church every week and not, and not miss ever. It's, it's a habit. And then the third thing you need to do is you need to be holy. These three are critical. They're foundational for your Christian life. Everything else that you do in the Christian life is founded upon these three habits. And so if you're not daily walking with God, which is praying and reading your Bible, remember, it's God talking to us and us talking to God, reading our Bible and praying. If you're not going to church on a weekly basis, then you are going to very quickly slide away from God and from his people. Because the Bible's called us to come out of the world. And the only way that you can come out of the world is by functioning inside the kingdom of God. So we talked about what you do daily. We talked about what you do weekly. Now I'm going to talk about what you do moment by moment. And the moment by moment part of the Christian life is called holiness or being holy. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. And read it with me. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Did you hear that? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Folks, we have here one of the most shocking statements, one of the most shocking verses in the whole Bible. Because essentially what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that no holiness, no heaven. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning. Let this sink in. Without holiness, you're not going to see Christ. Without holiness, you are not going to heaven. And this is the thing that, as a pastor, that keeps me awake at night. Praying for you, concerned for you. Never feeling judgmental or condemning, but feeling a, a, a deep down concern and distress for the people who are in my care. And I'm gonna tell you this, until you've actually walked in the shoes of a pastor, or a pastor who's serious about his calling, you can never know what it means to me to make sure that every one of you follows these habits, and that every one of you understands what it means to please God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, here's what you need to know. Holiness means purity. Holiness means being set apart for God's purposes. This is why we talked about what would Jesus do. Everybody remember WWJD? It was on T-shirts and caps and coats and bracelets and necklaces. Everybody was saying WWJD. Meanwhile, nobody had a clue what it meant. And certainly people were not living by that. Because here's what I know. You want to bring revival? If you want to see revival in the land, it's going to come through God's people taking seriously the call to walk in the steps of Christ, to imitate him, to do what Jesus does. I was talking to a man yesterday who used to be in ministry, had a spectacular fall, humiliating, known across the nation, in fact, nations. He was on the phone with me for about two and a half hours yesterday, just pouring out his heart. And he said to me, he said, Alan, you know, after all that I've been through and after all my struggle and after all my pain, after all... That I've experienced in ministry, and he's seen some amazing things happen. He says, after all of it, all, after all of this, and after all my studying and reading, here's what I know for sure: is the one thing that God requires of me is that I be an exact replica of Jesus Christ. And I said, Hallelujah, Amen, God bless you. That's exactly what I believe. In fact, that's what I'm preaching about tomorrow. That's what it is, folks. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, is that you become an exact replica of Jesus Christ. And that's what holiness is all about. God said to the children of Israel, once they came out of Egypt, he said, what, be holy because I'm holy. You're my people. You are a reflection of who I am. And so I want to talk to you this morning very quickly about what it means to be unholy. What do we mean by that? In case anybody thinks I'm overdoing this subject of holiness, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He's talking to the believers in Galatia, in Galatians 5 19 to 21. He's talking about what it means to be unholy. Listen to this. He says, The wrong things the sinful self does are clear. That is the unholy self. Being sexually unfaithful, not being pure, taking part in sexual sins. Worshipping gods, doing witchcraft. Hating. Are you hating anybody today? Making trouble. Being jealous. Are you jealous about anybody today? Being angry, being selfish. Making people angry with each other. You know, that's the kind of person that stirs the pot. You know what I'm talking about causing divisions amongst people, feeling envy, being drunk, having wild and wasteful parties, and doing other things like these. I warn you, Paul says, as I warned you before. It's not the first time that Paul has talked about holiness. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. For this reason, Jesus says, narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, and only a few find it. You cannot inherit God's kingdom. You cannot be a Christian. You cannot enter eternal life while you're living an unholy life. And if that were not enough, Paul says it again, only this time to the believers in Corinth. Now, why do you think he's got to have this message to the Galatian Christians and to the Corinthian Christians and elsewhere? Why do you think that's has to say it? Because Paul knows the capacity of the human heart. And you kid yourself, you fool yourself, if you think that you are not one of those people who could live or possibly live an unholy life. The fact of the matter is, is everybody here today has the capacity to live an unholy life. In fact, some of you today are living an unholy life. Your life is not what it needs to be. And here's what I know from Scripture that those of us who understand the condition of our heart and see the unholiness in our hearts and come to God in repentance because we feel the, the, the burden of guilt and shame, we are the ones who come to God and confess our sins and say, God cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And God does. My friends, this is the definition of revival. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Don't fool yourselves. Aren't we good at fooling ourselves, excusing ourselves, saying my situation is the exception? Paul says don't fool yourself. Don't be a moron. Paraphrasing a bit. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery... Or a male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So, Pastor, on this seems so extreme. Yeah, that's right. And for this reason, it is absolutely impossible to be a follower of Jesus Christ without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Notice it says holy. Spirit. What makes you holy is having the anointing and the strengthening of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you makes you holy, makes you choose what pleases God. Some of you were once like that. Before you were Christians, you lived an unholy life. But Paul says you were cleansed, you were made holy. That is, you are set apart for God's purpose. You are made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Uh, I'm telling you, everyone here has struggled or is struggling with a number of these things sexual immorality, hating, lying, cheating, envy, drunkenness. Paul's saying it's a no go, folks. Can't do that. Not if you're going to be a Christian not if you're going to walk that narrow road that leads to eternal life. Here's what I get people saying to me so many times. You know, Pastor, we're a Pentecostal church. Why aren't we more Pentecostal? Can I ask you this question? What do you think Pentecostal means, really? Does it mean that we simply have emotional services with emotional outbreaks well, if we have that, fine. But here's here's what you need to understand is that to be truly Pentecostal means that you are empowered and controlled by the Holy Spirit. This is what brings revival. This is what brings a change in our world. This is when people get saved, when holy people turn up to say, God, hear my, use me. Paul says, or Peter, one of the other apostles, he says this. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Listen, there's nobody here today now who can declare or claim ignorance. When you stand before God, you can't say, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. God will say, well, hold on a minute. What about November 17th? You know that day that there was too much snow and that some people stayed home from church because of the snow? Remember that Sunday? You didn't stay home. You heard the truth that you can't claim ignorance. Hello? Sorry, gang. <laughs> Sorry, I put you on the hook now, didn't I? My job is to get you safely home. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be Holy. In all you do, everything has got to be tinged by holiness. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What I'm sharing today, is the past three weeks, are three of the most important sermons I have ever preached in my life. And if you have been able to hear all three of them, then you have heard the three most important sermons you will ever hear. Because these are the messages they are going to show you how to make it safely home. If you have missed one of these messages, you need to go online and listen to it. You must. You've got to hear the truth. Paul says, don't conform. What's he saying here? He says, don't be like the world. He tells us in Romans chapter 12, don't conform to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. Folks, how do we renew our mind so that we become like Christ? So that we are transformed? How many here today want to change? So just four of us, Three. There's a few more of us. We want to change. We don't want to be the way we are. We want to continue to get better. Now here's the thing. How, do we, how are we transformed? How do we change? I'll tell you very simply. As you start living by these habits. Are they easy? No. Not easy at all. But here's what I do know, is that as you begin to practice these habits from day to day, week to week, moment by moment, you will be transformed, and suddenly the old you, you will not even recognize who that person is. In fact, you will talk about your old you as though it were somebody that, that you knew a long time ago. That's a transformation that's going to take place in you, David. That's a transformation that's going to take, par- take place in you, Klaus. And you, Jarrell, when you come to God and you say, God, I don't want to live conforming to the ways of this world. I want to be transformed. I want to say this to you this morning. If you are here and you are presently struggling with one of the, the many things in Paul's lists, then here's what you need to do. You need to stop what you're doing and get that sorted out. If I go to the doctor and the doctor tells me, Alan, you've got cancer, I'm not going to say, oh, really? Oh, well, I'll put that in my schedule to take care of that sometime. But in the meantime, I'm going on vacation, and I've got a few things to do in the Philippines, and I'm going to Burundi. No, I'm going to take care of the cancer, and right now. Why? Because it's a matter of life and death. Replace your old habits with the new habits. So let me tell you in the minutes left to me what it means to live a holy life. Just a a little while ago, in St. Paul, Minnesota, there was uh, an interesting summit. Psychologists, psychotherapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, neurologists, and they were coming together to discuss uh, an interesting topic. And the topic was this, How many decisions do we make every day? Now, you've heard me mention this before, but I'm going to mention it again because I'm going to go a little deeper into this. How many decisions do you think you make every day? Here's what they discovered. They discovered they were making at least 35,000 decisions every day. Where are we going to sit? Where are we going to drive? Am I going to cut this guy off? Am I going to let him in? Am I going to go around? Am I going to go 60? Am I going to go 50? Am I going to go 65? Am I going to go a little bit over the speed limit? What am I going to eat? Am I going to eat fatty? Am I going to eat healthy? Am I going to eat unhealthy? Am I going to eat chips? Am I going to, a, I going to replace this calories for this calorie? And what, what am I going to do? All day long, you're making decisions. You're making split, moment-by-moment moment decisions. Now let the Spirit of God speak to you right now. Because here's what you and I need to do as believers, because this is what it means to be holy, is that every moment you're making a decision. You're, you're going to make a decision to do what God wants you to do or what you want to do. Folks, this is, this is Christianity, practical Christianity. Now you could quickly realize or figure out what happens when you make decisions that please Jesus every time. We don't know exactly how many moral decisions we make, but what we do know is that we know what happens when we make them, when we make moral decisions. You will feel an instant relief if you've made the right decision. And you'll feel an instant guilt or a lack of peace if you're making the wrong decision. Now, this is how God has built you me. He's given us a conscience. And those of us who are Christians, we have actually been given the Holy Spirit to dwell within us that helps us make the right decision. Sometimes we'll talk about being checked in our spirit. Has anybody ever heard of that before? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you'll know if you should do this or do that. Should I make this decision or make that decision? And if you make the wrong decision, you feel a check in your spirit. You say, ah, something's not right. I got to do that. I can't do that. Every time you make the right decision, you will feel peace in your heart. Now, here's what happens when you repeatedly make the wrong decision. Jesus says your heart becomes calloused. We found that in Matthew 13, 15 your heart actually becomes calloused, it becomes hard. So what happens then is you start making wrong decisions, bad decisions, and it doesn't have an effect on you. You, It's very soon where You don't feel guilty, you don't feel shame, you don't feel bad, you don't feel anything. Now listen to this. Immoral decisions suddenly don't bother you anymore. And you can look at pornography, it doesn't bother you. You can cheat on your wife, it doesn't bother you. You can steal, it doesn't bother you. You can lie, it doesn't bother you. And you will even start excusing yourself and rationalizing your behavior, saying, well, other people do it, and it's no big deal. It's just the way things are. And in Italy, it's just the way men are. It's all right to tell white lies. It's all right to get drunk once in a while. It's all right to hate once in a while. It's all right to gossip once in a while. It's all right to backstab once in a while. It's all right, because you've got a good reason. And the Bible says, wrong, wrong. Now, every time you choose to do what's wrong, your heart forms a little callus on it. What calluses are for? It's to protect the wound against chafing. And I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit will chafe against your heart and make you feel miserable. Why? Not because God wants you to feel miserable, because God wants you to make right decisions. They're going to bring blessing to your life. How many know that God loves you today and wants you to have a good life? And God gives us a conscience. It stirs up our heart and makes us feel uncomfortable and makes us to feel shame and makes us to feel guilty so that we will make right decisions and live the holy life that he's called us to. Now watch this. So psychologists have actually studied the brains of psychopaths. I'll tell you what a psychopath is in just a moment. So they studied the brains of psychopaths with an with a MRI. In other words, they, they take this magnetic resonant, resonant thing Thing and examines all the brain waves and sees where there's action in the brain. And they discovered that amongst psychopaths, there's an actual reduced activity, specifically in the amygdala during emotional and moral decision making. So when it comes to doing wrong or saying wrong things or being nasty, there's nothing happening in there. The folks, there's a, there's a, a spine chilling lack of feeling. Why? Because their hearts are calloused and they don't care. They just don't care what God thinks, they don't care what anybody else thinks. Now, here's what a psychopath is a psychopath is someone who's characterized by enduring dissocial or antisocial behavior. He's got a weakened capacity for empathy or remorse. In other words, he can't really relate to your pain or your suffering. If you feel pain, he does not care. No sense of remorse, and feel sad, doesn't feel sorry for the wrong things he's done. And he's got very poor behavioral controls. He's got a fearless dominance. In other words, these people are absolutely incapable of relationships. Now listen to me. You've heard me say this over and over again. What is life about? Relationships. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart because here's what you need to know about holiness. Is that when you're living a holy life, this is what improves, magnifies your relationship to God and with one another. That's what holiness is about. It's not all about just not doing anything you want to do. It's all about enhancing and having a better marriage, a better family life, and better friendships. Most of you didn't know that before. Holiness is what maximizes your relationship with God and with others. So when you're, when you're living a holy life, guess what happens? And again, it's, it's all biblical people. Listen, when you're living a holy life... You got a a maximized relationship with God. Guess what begins to happen? You begin to see miracles in your life. Isn't that what what James says? The righteous and fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? It avails much. You begin to see your prayers answered. You begin to see the miraculous, the supernatural take place in your life because you're living the holy life that enhances your relationship with God so that all the obstacles and all the barriers are removed and you're able to see the miracles that you want to see in your life. How many want to see miracles in their life? Watch what happens when you begin to live that holy life, a life that pleases God. God begins to open doors and things begin to change. And it's not just your relationship with God that produces these wonderful results from living a holy life, but now your relationship to one another. You show me a couple where the, where the marital love is broken down, I'm going to show you a couple that lies to each other. Not telling each other the truth, that are hiding things. I'm going to show you a couple that, where one of them or both of them feels resentment or anger or bitterness or hatred or jealousy or envy, all these things, Because, folks, holiness is what maximizes your relationship to your spouse, to your children, to the people you work with. When you live that pure and holy life, everything changes. I have people come to me all the time, all kinds of problems and issues that I have to help them with. And the first thing I want to say is, how is your walk with God? Because your walk with God will determine everything. Your willingness to respond in obedience to what he's asked you to to do, that willingness to live a holy life. I want to tell you this. Hitler was a psychopath. Some would argue that he's also and or a sociopath, whatever. A man without feeling. A man calloused, a man willing to fulfill his ends no matter what the cost, even at the cost of murdering six million Jews? Remember the gunman that went to that elementary school and gunned down all those children? You remember the gunman that went to the theater, gunned down all those people, and has a smile on his face after? What's going on here? We're talking about people whose hearts are so calloused and so damaged that they have no empathy, they have no feeling, they don't care about other people. Folks, when you live in a holy life, when you became a Christian, your whole life turned around. In fact, Ephesians 4.24, Paul says this, put your new nature on, created to be like God, truly righteous and what? Holy. When you became a Christian, you were transformed. You became a different person. I'm gonna say this. If you resist what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this morning, it's very easy for you to take on the nature of a psychopath. You say, Pastor, that's extreme. That's exactly what will happen. Jesus said it, not me. Matthew 13, verse 15. Your heart will become calloused and you won't care. And next thing you know, you don't really care about how your friends feel. You don't care if you're hurting their feelings. You don't care if you're sticking it to them. If you're ignoring them, treating them like garbage, you don't care. You're putting I'm putting me first. And the me first attitude, folks, is the antithesis to the holiness. When you became a Christian, the Bible tells me that you became a saint. I don't know if you know it today, but my name is Saint Alan. And you will remember me on April 6th. That's my birthday. <laughs> You'll bring me gifts. And uh, kiss my hand. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a saint. And the cool thing is that everybody here today who has put their faith in Jesus Christ and is living the holy life, you're a saint too. You say, Pastor Allen, where'd you get that from? Well, I got it from the Bible. <laughs> First Corinthians to- chapter 1, verse 2. To the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified... In Christ Jesus, sanctified means what? It means being holy, made, set apart for God. Called to be saints. With all who in every place call in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. You're a saint if you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you've decided that, yeah, this is the life for you, a sanctified life, a life set apart for God's purpose. You see, you'll never be really happy, you'll never really know the joy of the Lord until you come to that place where you come to full surrender and you say, God, I give you my life, use my life for your glory and honor. This is what it means to be holy. Set apart for God's purposes. And now suddenly... Your Christianity, your Christian life, now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart here. Your Christianity will take on brand new life. You'll have a brand new joy, a brand new excitement, a brand new enthusiasm, because listen to this, God will begin to use you moment by moment through the course of every day. Not just once, once every summer when we go to Burundi, but I'm talking every week. Every day, moment by moment, every single time you choose to do what God wants you to do rather than what you want to do. Listen, for some of you, this is a warning this morning because you've been choosing to do what you want to do. Listen, we're talking about radical Christianity that says, God, here am I. I surrender my life to you. Do what you want to do in my life. When you do that, God shows up and does miracles and you start leading people to Jesus Christ. Have you got family members you've been praying for? You've got people in your life that you love and you want to see them come to Christ, people that are going through difficult times and you want to see them help. Listen, folks, you can be the answer to that prayer, but it will take a life devoted to holy living, making decisions to do what God wants you to do rather than what you want to do. That word in... Hebrews 12, 14, be holy. It's actually, um, it's a verb. It's it's, it's a verb that says it's something that you continue to do. The the actual Greek word is holying, H-O-L-Y-I-N-G. Something that you're doing constantly. Some people think that when you became a Christian, you entered into a new state. Now I'm holy. But that's not what this is saying. This is saying... Yeah, it's a fact that you do become holy, but now you have to keep on being holy. You've got to be living in peace, and you've got to be holying. This is one of the most important messages I'm going to share with you. I'm glad I got to do it before I die. I'm not dying, by the way, anytime soon, and not that I know of, anyway. But you, you heard. You heard the message that I needed to, to share with you. Because if you do what I'm telling you to do today, here's what I know for sure. You will be with me in eternity. I can guarantee. This is a money-back guarantee, folks. You stand before Peter someday and he won't let you in. Just say, but well, hold on a minute here. I did exactly what Pastor Allen said. <laughs> and then you can blame it on me. But it's, it's, it's guaranteed. i me close with this. Back, uh... In the 90s, one of the, one of the most horrific cr- criminals of all time was finally found out. His name was Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer raped and murdered men and then ate them. Listen to, listen to this. He, they interviewed him before he was murdered in prison. And you know what he said? He said, I felt extreme guilt and shame after I murdered the first one. I felt extreme guilt and shame. He said, but I ignored it. And I did it again. And he said, after I did it a second time, then it became easy. And after that, he said, there was no stopping me. Now, I'm going to tell you this. This might be shocking to you this morning, but there's a bit of Jeffrey Dahmer in all of us. A capacity to sin and do what does not please God. I'm going to tell you this, this is critical. If you don't understand this, you're not really going to understand the Christian faith. You need to understand your capacity, your ability to do heinous things and heinous crimes. You need to understand that about yourself. And I'm not the one who said it. The Bible declares it over and over and over again. And this is why it's critical that you and I understand our capacities for sin so that we understand our need for Jesus Christ. I come before Jesus Christ and I say, God, but by by your grace, but by your grace, I have what I have and I am what I am. Do you understand that today? And so God's calling you right now to make decisions that please Jesus every single time. Jesus gives a warning. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, can it be any more clear than that? Is there anything that you don't get? Is there anything you don't understand today? Jesus is calling you to live a holy life. He makes it clear that just because you use the name of the Lord and you say, Lord, Lord, and isn't the Lord good, and you glorify God and you worship and you give money in the offering, and just because you do all things, Jesus said, that's not enough. What you've got to do is you've got to live this life a full surrender to him. This life where you decide, moment by moment, to do what Jesus wants you to do rather than what you want to do. This, Jesus says, will get you into heaven. Would you stand with me, please? What I'm sharing with you today is very much a radical radical Christianity. Would anybody rather not have the radical Christianity? Anybody want the stuff where you just come to church and the pastor makes you feel good and I can talk about Kermit the Frog and his many virtues? Remember that, Don? No, you want to come to a place where you're going to hear the truth that's going to guarantee that you're making it into eternal life. Amen? And it's my job to get you safely home. Stick with me and I'm going to get you safely home. I'm gonna tell you, as your pastor, this is my heartbeat. It's my passion. It's what I live for. It's what keeps me up at nights. It's what I pray about in the middle of the night. I pray, so many of you come to my mind in the middle of the night your children, your marriages, your situations, your finances, because your pastor cares for you. I wanna get you safely home. So I've told you today what you need to do be holy, make every decision a decision that is in obedience to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you right now for your goodness. We thank you for the direction from your word. God, we thank you that we don't even have to muster up the energy to do this. We just have to simply respond to the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. God, thank you today that we belong to you. Thank you that your Holy Spirit enables us We talk about the the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, that power is available to all who want to obey Christ. That power is available to us to help us make the decision that pleases God. God, I pray for our young people. I pray for each one here today that they may live a holy life pleasing and acceptable to God knowing, God, that that's what maximizes our relationship with you and with one another. That's what makes this life fantastic and wonderful to live. And we thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, for the message that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, we pray it. Everyone said it? Tell the person beside you, you're a saint, so be holy.